Okay, guys, so welcome to this morning's Fife Property Show. It's 9.30, it's a Saturday morning, and boy, have we got a show for you. Buy to let finance, optimise your portfolios, cash flow, yield, and profit. Remember, profit is vanity, turnover is sanity or something like that, and, and cash flow is king. That's the most important point. Cash flow is king. I've got Kesser laughing in the green room there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out with all these, all these buzzwords this morning. Could you imagine if you had a portfolio at five million pounds and property prices are going up by 20% in the next four years, you will literally make a million pounds and be paid to wait because you're renting them at the same time. That's 250,000 a year right on your bottom line just because you were paid to wait as well at the same time. This business and asset class is amazing. You would not believe the results you can compound at the end of this. This is a recession-proof business. Remember, you've got a guy here that went through the credit crunch. My property values decreased, but my income stayed exactly the same. And on occasion, it actually went up as a result. So therefore, credit crunch, what credit crunch? That's the reality. Compare that today to a pension. Has your pension increased by 209% in the last 20 years? Has it increased by 50% in the last 10 years? Has it increased by 30% or 25% in the last five years? And have you still continued to get an income out of it? I don't know that answer. You can only know that yourself because that's what property prices have gone up in these years. So you're literally paid to wait in this business with this asset class. It is the best performing ever. Good morning, James. And I know you're going to be listening as well. And so who have I got on today with me? I've got the Lettings Director of Five Properties. I've got Richard Cook today. Morning, Jim. How are you? I'm really good this morning. So you're I excited about this? I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I excited. I get extremely excited when I talk about property, especially when I understand the dynamics and I see where things are going. And I, it's almost, you could almost predict the future when, you, when, you, when you're in property. It is almost a guaranteed recession-proof business. People people want property when we're in a recession because they need to rent. Um, the lack of housing supply, they need to rent. Um, and, and, and the lack of houses getting built, they need to rent. So yeah. regardless of the economy, the, the, the rental market still booms. Okay, yeah, so who else have we got on this morning? We've got Kessa Salimi of Freedom Financial. Kessa, how are you this morning? I'm very good, Jim. How are you? All right, are you as excited as me? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was loving your introduction there, especially the cash flow is king. I, I love that, especially uh, versus cash. Because always often people think cash is king versus cash flow is king. So I like that. It is cash flow, really, at the end of the day. You know, you know yourself. It's like that's what turns the business. All business models should really, in my opinion, be built on cash flow, because cash flow is the lifeblood of a business. It's not. It's not profit, and it's not turnover. You know, I could be more profitable than one of the loss-making companies. When the banks were making a loss and they were turning over billions of pounds of money, I was more successful than them, even though I was making maybe a pound in profit because I was making profit and they were making a loss. So even That's a small right. business could outperform a huge business like that. Uh, let's say some good mornings. Uh, good morning, Charlotte. How are you? And good morning, Angela. How are you? Guys, morning, guys. Uh, feel free to ask any questions you want. Uh, let's kick this off because it's going to be a good show. I could tell. It's, I could feel it. 
so buying one of the more one or more property rental homes can give you an additional income now. I mean, that's a really good thing. The plan for the financial freedom and plus simply owning a property isn't enough by itself. Uh, be sure to maximize your yield um, and protect the value of your portfolio. The financial management of your rental homes is an essential part of being a successful landlord. Um, who wants to be a landlord and who wants to be a property investor? I think I'd do the latter. What about you, Kessa? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, that, that's the way I view myself, a property investor, first of all. Um, I think sometimes landlord has a negative con connotation, but, you know, like you said earlier on, you know, the rental market isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, we serve, you know, we've just seen, you know, that's 25 years now of the, the bite to mortgages um, being available. So it just shows uh, how much that market has grown, you know, as your statistics have said. I remember when buy to let never existed. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how long I've been in this. <laughs> there was no such thing. Every bank, every bank manager used to laugh at me when I mentioned about renting property. Yeah, it was, like, I mean, it was like the computer says no sometimes. <laughs> yeah, there is a big difference between a landlord and an investor. I mean, anybody really could be a landlord, and a lot of people are by accident, but an investor, obviously, they're looking at the, the, the financial long-term gains of uh, uh, building a portfolio. So there is a big difference. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to use your buy-to-let funding to optimise the performance of your properties. So if you're thinking about buying a rental home in the Fife area or anywhere else in the country, because really, the, the dynamics, we talk about this all the time because it is the Fife Property Show, but this is actually nationwide, if not worldwide, this concept, yeah. you know, of buying property and an investment income and a, and, a, and a continuous stream of income while you wait for the capital to appreciate over time. But the, the all the money, uh, really, and all the dynamics should go into the cash flow element of it. Um, and the, the in my opinion, uh, the capital is a bonus. That's yeah. how I look at it. So what's your thoughts on that, Richard? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the capital gain is a bonus. And I think if you're going to be an investor, you need to look at it for the long term um, and the cash flow over that period and, and expanding your portfolio and, and looking at, obviously, what kind of equity you have in your portfolio as it stands just now at, at the moment. There's never been a better time to kind of MOT your portfolio and take money out and expand your portfolio. Um, and I'm sure you'll agree with that, Kessler, obviously dealing with uh, mortgages and things at the moment and mortgage rates. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, just kind of going back to what Jim said earlier on, you know, cash flow is king. Um, capital appreciation definitely, I view, is a, a bonus as well. And I've seen my property portfolio grow in value over the last 10 years of investing, which has been great. Um, but ultimately, you know, I was... I was investing sort of pre-2008 as well, and I also saw kind of property prices dip. Uh, but like Jim said earlier on, if your cash flow is strong, you know, that will kind of ride you through that and they'll kind of continue to kind of, properties will rent out, um, which then allows, you know, property prices to recover over time. And then you can take advantage of that capital appreciation too. What's your thoughts on, on releasing the income all the time? Yeah, I think it's a great strategy for a lot of property investors. Um, the good thing is from the lending point of view, there is kind of background uh, stress test that they have to do on the rental income, not at today's you know very low interest rates or future interest rates of five, five and a half percent. You can only typically sort of extract up to sort of 75% of the value of your portfolio as well. So that gives you a 25% 
equity in your property at all times. So just in case property prices do dip, because that can always happen too. Um, so I think there's a lot of kind of fail safes in there, you know, to make sure that you do invest wisely, you know, if you are extracting um, equity out. But it definitely kind of helps you to build your portfolio quite quickly because right. it's sometimes it's quite difficult to save up for each deposit. So if you've got equity in your properties, extract that and then use that for future investments is definitely a good choice for a lot of people. It's a good strategy for portfolio building. Um, you yeah. have to be uh, you have to be aware though there'll be a deferred uh, deferred capital gain, you know, because effectively what you're doing is you're taking all the money out on the mortgages, and then over a period of time the value of the property is going up. But then you're still the capital gain is still based on the original purchase price. Therefore, you could end up paying more tax, and as a result of getting less money, if you if you exit the market and actually be left with a larger mortgage, you know that could that could happen, and it has happened on occasions for some some landlords before. I still even have some properties like that myself, but it doesn't matter because I've got it spread over a wide range. So if you're holding long term, it's it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, I have seen that with a few landlords over the years, and there is still some like that. And like you say, Jim, you've got some of your own, but um, it isn't really a big problem because you've got that long term um, factor with the property anyway. So we've got a quick question coming in from uh, Jennifer. Um, with the markets riding so high in Fife at the moment, do you think it's a good time to buy? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you know, you know the answer to everything about it now is when's the best time to buy? It's always now. Yeah. She says, I worry about the property not holding its current value. Well, it depends on your strategy. Um, if you're thinking about doing it short term, then yes, you've every right to be worried. If it's long term, if it's over 10 years, then we know property prices in Fife have actually grown by 46% in the last 10 years. In the last 20 years, they've gone up 209%. So, you know, if you're holding a long-term strategy, I wouldn't worry at all, um, Jennifer. It's 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 fine. Um, and if it's just for you to live in and then resale, the proportionate amount of the property value will be the same proportionate amount if you go to the next property. So, in other words, in the credit crunch, classic example is a lot of people had maybe fifty percent value in their property and equity. Um, the credit crunch, twenty percent dropped off, thirty percent was left. But guess what? When they sold that house, they got that money and then they went to a house, which is exactly the same proportionally in terms of the value. So it's completely irrelevant if, if you are living in the property yourself. If it's a buy to let strategy, then then that's the thing. If you're holding it long term, property values have always gone up. Go back to your grandparents if they're still here and say to them, did you wish you had buy, you'd bought property? And I'll bet you the answer would have been yes. <laughs> Because if you go back, it's like I was talking to somebody yesterday and it says 30 years ago, I bought a property for like a thousand pounds. And he says it's gone up almost 30 times in that time. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> what does that tell you? Uh, yeah, Jennifer says buy to let. Yeah, absolutely. Buy yeah. to let values over a long period of time, medium to long term, will always hold value. Um, and, and it's, But it's understanding the model and the dynamics in order to make sure it's like what Kessar and what Richard says, cash flow is king. It's to make sure you're structured correctly in order for the cash to come every single month so you don't plan on the capital appreciation, really. And for me, it's always looked as a byproduct of the actual cash that's coming in every month. Um, James has actually made a good comment. Um, often when you get a downturn, the bounce back is stronger like any investment. You have to be in it for the long term. Absolutely. Um, um, long term, Kessar, is that you? Absolutely. Yeah, I don't plan to sell any of my properties in the short term 
to be honest. Mm. Um, the properties that I've all bought over the last 10 years, I've still holding on to and will continue to hold on to unless they kind of perform badly. So absolutely, it's the long term for me. And um, the question kind of posed earlier on, you know, is now the right time to buy? I mean, even if we kind of rewind back to the beginning of COVID when that hit, you know, everybody's kind of thinking then property prices are going to crash and look, you know, look what's happened now. And um, we could still be in the same situation in a year from time as well, because there's a lot of people out there that are holding off to write, buy at the right time. And then we've seen, you know, property prices charging on and on and things again, you know, uh, property prices are rising over that time. And the fear, well, they kind of feel like they're missing out. Let me be clear about this. I have got a friend that's been talking about getting into buy to let for the last 20 years. 20 years ago, when I was buying property, he thought about it. He has still not bought property today. Since 20 years have passed, my properties have gone up three and four times in value. And he is still thinking about it. There's my answer. Buy to let is the best asset class you can ever have. It pays you to wait for the appreciation in value. And it's a great earner at the same time. Anyway, let's talk about buy to let lending. This is your specialist point. This is this is why Kessa's on the show. We're all going to sit and look at Kessa. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be on the spot. <laughs> buy no to let lending at a glance. Let's look at this. Buy to let mortgages are slightly different to standard residential loans. Uh, checking your credit rating, consider your credit rating and lending in the first place. Banks also take into account expe expected rental income alongside property, uh, the, the sales valuation as well. So what else do we need to look for in buy to let lending criteria, um, Kessa? Um, a lot of different things, uh, but like you said, it's very different to residential lending. Um, income is a factor, like your own personal income, but it's secondary. The main thing that they look at is the rental income of the property, what the property will rent out for. So yeah. um, a value will go out and value the property, but we'll also put a rental income on that. And the lenders will do like a background stress test on that to make mm -hmm. sure the property rent out, cover any void periods, any tax. Um, a bills. stress test, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to the general layman? Yeah, so a good question. So so basically the, the lender will do a calculation. Typically, if you're buying in your personal name, they will they will stress test the rent at 145%. Oh, um, wow. So yeah, so it's quite it's quite a kind of a large coverage. So an extra 45% of the rent, they need to kind of cover any extra bills that you might have. So this could be kind of void periods, any tax bills. Um, and then not at today's low interest rates, but potentially future interest rates of 5.5%. Um, and if it fits that stress test, then, you know, which is a lot worse than, you know, what uh, the situation is just now, then the lender will lend up to sort of 75% or 80% of the value of the property. Um, so this used to be, this used to be 125%, didn't it? So, so why all of a sudden is it, has it just been changed overnight to 145? Are we seeing all these things that happened in the last credit crunch creep in over time? Um, well, to be honest, it's, it's changed since um, your legislation changed on the way interest is deducted from your profits. Um, and th this only applies for buying in personal name yeah. and doesn't doesn't always apply for basic rate taxpayers. Typically it applies for higher rate taxpayers or sometimes portfolio landlords, which is somebody who has four or more properties. But in my opinion, if you base it on the 145% at worst case scenario, even if you are a basic rate taxpayer, it kind of... Um, it kind of shows you what worst case scenario, uh, at least your property will kind of cash flow really. Um, but if you buy in limited company, they only stress test at the 125%. So if we're buying a property and the mortgage monthly payment is a thousand pounds, then we're really looking for a minimum rental income of 1,250 pounds. Yeah. yeah, at least, then, yeah. Then, then if it's portfolio or if it's in your own name and you're a high rate taxpayer, it potentially could be 
uh, £1,450. Yes, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. So lend, lenders usually work, and you've said yourself on a maximum of 75% loan to value the purchase price. Um, are we doing 80% now? And uh, and, and, and if it 80% is available, is it going to make... Is it, is it going to be higher rates? I mean, that's a classic example, isn't it? It's usually higher rates. More more risk, higher rates. Is that, is that what we're experiencing just now? Absolutely. Um, so 80% was definitely available sort of pre-COVID and now is very much back as well. Um, but yeah, they do charge a premium for that and quite a high premium as well, typically around 1% higher for 80% loan to value. So yeah. it's, it's not a kind of great strategy for most people um because often you know that five percent extra is not usually worth that extra one percent that they're going to charge on the interest but it, it could be kind of a, a great sort of um you know a great addition for some people that maybe just can't stretch that 25 percent deposit um but overall my personal sort of opinion is try to kind of keep your portfolio around 75 percent loan to value or lower if you can what do you think the what do you think the the best the best uh, mortgage product just now on the market is Oh, there's, there's so many good ones. Um, so, I mean, in personal name, you know, there's there's some fantastic products available at 75% loan to value, you know, and and often you're not even kind of benefiting from taking a lower loan to value because the rates are much better at, at say, 70 or 60% loan to value. So, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a wide question that, you know, there's, there's so many good products out there. And even in limited company, you know, we've seen limited company products get so competitive now they are slightly more expensive than personal name but but the differentiation is getting smaller and smaller and speaking to some lenders recently um some building societies they're looking to get into the limited company market as well so we'll see competition increase and hopefully rates reduce as well yeah uh, david actually makes a good morning dave uh, sleep um does it make a difference if the buy flight mortgages for a business yeah, so I imagine, Dave, that it, what he means by that is, is it for a limited company? Um, so if that's yeah. the case, then yeah, yes, it is. Um, the rates are slightly higher, but, you know, the lender still lend based on the director and shareholder of the business. Um, so they still kind of base it on yourself, Dave. Um, and you could set up a business day one and get lending straight away too. Yeah, I mean... You know, the overall thing about the 75% purchase price and buy flight mortgages are loaned on an interest-only interest basis. I mean, uh, what's your what's your thoughts on that? Interest-only or capital repayment? Or, you know, I know what my thoughts are, but I'd be interested to hear yours. Yeah, my, pers well, my personal strategy is I'm investing interest-only because I'm looking to grow my portfolio yeah. um, so I can kind of use that extra cash flow to buy additional properties. And I'm also trying to use inflation to erode that debt over time. So even if we take out capital appreciation, because obviously that's just a bonus, and I, I just base my numbers on inflation, over time I'm expecting my property prices to increase, uh, but my debt will stay the same. If I try yeah. to go on capital repayment just now and pay my debts off in you know today's rates, um, it's, I'm not kind of getting the benefits of inflation. Like you said, kind of speak to your grandparents and ask them what property prices were years ago. Um, you know, I expect kind of it will be a similar scenario come sort of 30 years time when I review my portfolio and my loans stay the same. But, you know, due to inflation, the property prices will increase. And then I'll either maybe convert to capital repayment at that time once I've got enough cash flow coming in or potentially I could just sell a few of my properties and pay the debt down at that time. Yeah. Um, me personally, it's interest only every single time. I mean, why on earth would you want to pay down um, debt? What you're, what you're getting at possibly three percent if you could earn, say, twenty five percent on that same amount. That's the reality. So you're making a differential every single time on, on the bank money of twenty two percent on top line income. 
to go towards covering overheads. That's the important thing. The key here is when I talk about overheads, I'm talking about for a, a managing agent. If you're a proper investor, you, you get a managing agent. That's the key here. You get somebody to look after it for you because you don't want to be involved in the day-to-day -day running. Is that right, Richard? Let me talk about the day-to-day -day running, Richard. Yeah. Day-to-day <laughs> -day running of a buy-to-let portfolio like. Well, it takes a lot. And, and, and listening to Kessa there, I think it's quite uh, it's good to hear that there's so much um, products available out, and new products available out there for uh, for building a portfolio. When we're in a time that's it's just an ideal time for building portfolio. And I think that uh, to hear all the different products that are available now. Uh, but I do think it's definitely um, you should be looking at doing that in a limited company. And of course, initially anyway, uh, on an interest only. But yeah, the day to day running, uh, there is quite a lot. I think limited company, limited company, I know I know you pay a bit more for a limited company, but I think limited company has to be yeah. the way forward, especially yeah. if you're taking interest only mortgages and you're a high rate taxpayer, because the way the, the government's going in terms of you can only get interest deduction at lower rate tax now um, on your mortgage interest if it's in your own name. That's yeah. the key here. And a limited company, it doesn't matter. It doesn't apply. So no matter how much money you make on top line, the interest is still deducted full amount. And there's no, there's no, um, uh, I would say there's no penalty for it being in your name. I mean, no. imagine that. There's a two completely different systems for the taxation systems for the same process. Um, but that's incumbently because they can't change the legislation on interest-only deductions for uh, for limited companies because it'll affect all the corporations. So that's why they can't change it. So every single time you're protected being a limited company to a degree, and that's why your strategy should incorporate that. If you're only buying one or two and you're a low rate taxpayer, then it shouldn't matter. But I do believe, and you could buy, you could back me up or not on this case if you, if you want, um, I do believe that the, the government's going to do away with interest-only deduction in your own name completely. Yeah, that'll be very interesting if they do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose the scope is there, absolutely. And, and like you said, they're not going to want to take that away in limited companies, especially because, and we're seeing just now, you know, big corporations are looking to get into um, limited company, well, sort of vital investing as well. You know, Lloyds Bank, John Lewis, you know, all these big companies as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And uh, another consideration to take into account there as well is inheritance tax as well. So, you know, if you do have a large portfolio, um, that could potentially kind of create an inheritance tax burden in the future as well. Whilst a lot of um, investors are investing in limited company and then potentially sort of gifting shares to family members in the future or potentially sort of stepping aside and letting, you know, their children take over in the future too. Yeah. Now, James actually said a good point there. He says, especially that Lloyd's, M&S and John Lewis are entering the buy-to-let market. Um, but, but I'll be honest, I've seen this all before. Um, and 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 they quickly exited. Um, I had uh, the Nationwide was one of the first people into it about twenty five years ago, and they built a huge development called At Home in Perth for that very reason. And uh, and lo and behold, they no longer own that. That's now somewhere else because they exited pretty quick because they didn't see any advantages in it because they couldn't run it like we run it. Um, I I I definitely believe being an agile and um, smaller buy to let investor and a smaller limited company and flexible in, in their approach uh, has a has that has that ability to adapt and change the current situation quicker than these huge conglomerates can do that um and i don't i don't think unless the legislation changes dramatically i don't think it's going to be a good strategy for them long term which is good for us because eventually they'll exit and then we could buy their portfolios <laughs> job done thanks very much mns for doing that for me <laughs> 
Anyway, let's talk about expanding your portfolio. Releasing equity, you you touched on this, Kesa, um, is one of the another way to fund your property, and the easiest way to expand the portfolio without eating into your personal savings. Um, so as soon as you've got enough equity in one property to cover the 25% deposit um, for another without taking the borrowing uh, and taking the borrowing, the first 75% of its value, you'll be able to add another property to your portfolio uh, funded entirely by the lender. Now, this was quite an interesting one because years ago, I actually sat in front of Scottish Homes and, and, and I had my spreadsheet in front of me and I said, in the next 30 years, I could have 100,000 properties. <laughs> and they just looked quite surprised. <laughs> but my spreadsheet said I did because I based it on my model and said, well, have I got that? And that went up in price and I released that and released this and released that and released this. And, uh, and I ended up with like, my God, I could get 100,000 properties in the next 30 years. Um, Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't get. I was going to say, is that a hint to how much I'm going well, to? Considering, considering five pencils, the biggest landlord in five with forty thousand properties, I kind of think a hundred thousand properties would have been yeah. a bit much. Um, you might have to go further afield for that in terms of getting it. But but it is a it is a great strategy to release um, for for uh, buying more property cases, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, sometimes people think property investors have millions of pounds behind them. You know, and that's how they manage to amass all these. Uh, properties we but all, we don't all run about in ferraris and porsches and bmws <laughs> unfortunately no yeah absolutely you know but it's it's a conception that a lot of people have you know especially when they think of landlords um, but yeah a lot of us have amassed their portfolios by just you know allowing properties to appreciate in time or sometimes a forcing appreciation as well by adding value to the property and then once that property is increased in value then raise equity and sometimes people have equity in their own home as well you know and that takes a little bit more thinking and you know and this slightly more kind of affordability checks on that but some people sometimes will raise equity from their own residential home to allow them to invest as well so um yeah having all these strings to your bow that allows you to kind of then continue to invest again and again and buy additional properties yeah uh, Richard, yeah. have you ever seen any of your landlords turning up in their Ferraris to rent to give their properties to you? Definitely not. But I think uh, I think it comes back to um, the time is now. Really, I think, um, and now is never a better time to be reassessing your portfolio and looking at uh, the equity that you have tied up in your in your portfolio to then expand. I think, and and now is never a better time. But um, no, no Ferraris pulling up outside the the office uh, anytime soon. But I think. Um, a lot of landlords, it's it's a decision that you need to be smart about, and it's all about the the numbers. And I think speaking to people like Kesa and things is is brilliant. Um, people are a bit apprehensive about trying to fund a portfolio through, you said obviously their own residential. Um, I had a, I had one actually recently um, who had a lot of capital um, tied up or equity tied up in her property, but she was very reluctant to do that because of the risk factor. Um, and there is a risk factor, but I think as long as you speak to the right people and do it correctly. It can be a good way to yeah, start funding. I don't, I, don't, I don't ever see it as a risk, though. If it's, it's done correctly, then no. It's, it's crazy when you think about it. Look at this concept, right? You're taking money out of a property to put it into another property. Another property yeah. How on earth is that a risk? Because if it's in the property, it's in the now, like, for example, your home, yeah. and the home drops by 20% in value, uh, then the other property you bought is going to drop by 20% in value. If the home goes up by 20% in value, the other property you've got goes up by 20% in value. It's just that your home, you're not earning any money on, and the other property, you're earning money on. Yeah. So what one are you going to put your money into? It's going to be the one you're earning your money on, and it's going up in value. Uh, so it's completely relevant. I mean, taking 
prop money from another one. And even using that, I, I don't know about you, Kessler, but in the past, what I've done is I've leveraged my position by actually giving uh, personal guarantees based on the equity I had in some properties. So I didn't need to go about releasing that, but it allowed me to get higher funding from the banks in order to get more property, even at 100% value. Um, a loan to value. So I was actually basically getting the full thing funded from the banks. And yeah. and that still still can happen today, depending on your current position. So you'd be amazed what's out there and availability and the hoops that you don't really need to jump through in order to meet the criteria, because some of the lenders out there, not mainstream, some of the other lenders are actually more, more open to being more flexible in the way you work. Is that right, Kessa? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those options are slightly more limited, like you said, but absolutely there is those options still available. Um, what One quite popular option that we're seeing just now that a lot of property investors are using is what's called forward funding, which is quite similar to that, where they kind of underwrite you based on one purchase and then you can give them the plans for the next 12 months what you're looking to buy and then they'll basically just sort of agree that up front and then as you sort of add new properties to your portfolio um the sort of process is sped up because they've already kind of agreed it you know prior to that perfect that's exactly how i started 30 years ago forward funding it's got it's got a name for it now <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All I knew about it was called term loans. <laughs> and it was from the Bank of Scotland. But the, the the disadvantage of the term loans from the Bank of Scotland at the time, they, they insisted I pay the equity back at the same time. So it was capital repayment vehicles because buy-to-let mortgages didn't exist. Interest-only options didn't exist at that time either. But basically, the forward funding was a facility. So I proved the model. They then said to me, how much money do you want? I said, that's it. That's how much security you've got. Therefore, go away and start buying property then. Once we get that um, facility done, we'll then convert that to a proper um, um, term loan and then we'll put that aside and then you can start again with the model. And, and and effectively, that's how I first started. The forward It's got forward funding. So, uh, so I've found I'm, I'm, every day is a school day. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that's, so, that's where I think it's important to speak to the right people, obviously. There'll be a lot of people out there that are unaware. It's, it's amazing how, how, I'll tell you, it's amazing how many people out there actually don't realize that the equity they're sitting on could actually produce a lot more money in what they are doing. And it's almost guaranteed success because it's based on a, a model and a principle that's been proved over years successively by numerous people beforehand and even by myself. It's, it's a no-brainer. It is literally a turnkey investment with, a, with almost like a certainty at the end of it. Um, because I'll never start the journey unless I know the answer at the end. And every single time I'll know the answer, and often more than the time that I actually get a better result at the end than I actually predicted in the beginning, because I'm quite prudent and quite um, I'm quite cautious in my approach to property investment. I never realised that. I have the mantra of Monte Carlo or bust. <laughs> but the reality is I'm actually quite prudent in the way I do things. Um, so... What happens, Kessler, once you've acquired more than three buy-to-let properties? Is, is that the limit and then you go to portfolio lending or? Yeah, so so this was like a, a new regulation. Well, it's not that new anymore, um, but 
basically the PRA is what they call the Prudential Regulation Authority have bought in um, different rules for portfolio landlords. So that's when you have four or more mortgage buy to let. So you could have, you know, 10 uh, properties if you like, you know, without any lending on it and you wouldn't be a portfolio landlord. It's just four or more mortgage buy to lets. And really kind of the main difference is that they're just checking your background portfolio to get a sense check to make sure that they're renting out for the right amount of rents. You know, you're at the right loan to value. So typically 75% loan to value. So it's, it's all good things. It's all kind of things to make sure you're operating your portfolio correctly. Um, some lenders don't lend to portfolio landlords, but Predominantly, most do. Um, the only restrictions start to happen once you have more than 10 properties, then you'd be looking at more specialist lenders. But um, yeah, portfolio landlords, there's not really any limits there. Just a few more checks. And to be honest, it's what us as mortgage brokers kind of help you sort of jump through those hoops. We kind of know what the lenders are looking for. And it's not that much onerous, or not that onerous, sorry, on the landlord. Yeah, yeah. And do you notice I've got a pen in my hand? Ask me why. Because <laughs> even I learn something new every day. And so that's exactly what I've got, my pen and paper. So I can take down all the notes at the same time. So if you're watching out there, make sure you get a pen and paper. Make sure you take it down. Even though you think you know the answer and you're going to remember the answer, the reality is you'd retain more information up here if you write it down at the same time as reading it. it, it the retention rate's a lot higher. Therefore, you'll learn a lot quicker. Therefore, you'll learn a lot more. Every day is a school day. Um, Absolutely. So, Let's look at this again. Richard, how many people have you had turning up with huge buy-to-let portfolios? What is the typical size of a buy-to-let landlord? I mean, typically it's, I mean, the, the quite commonly it's two to three properties initially. Yeah. Um, so this but, myth um, about Ferraris and everybody runs yeah. about Ferraris and fast cars and big massive houses and all the rest of it really is, is an urban myth. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, two, three, possibly four. And the build to there, I've got quite a lot of landlords that have been building um a lot recently obviously due to obviously the the market that we're in just now uh, and adding one or two or like yourself jim i think what are you on number eight on eight 13. <laughs> <laughs> okay. i'm still waiting on a couple I of only set a target eight at the, at the start of the year and i ended up getting that's quite that big in my head and i'm waiting on a couple of them to conclude but yeah i mean yeah typically I, it's only a handful to start with um, i do have landlords that do have a lot bigger portfolios but generally that's kind of what the, the figures are like in terms of numbers of properties yeah. in each portfolio. And and then, so why are they building them? What, what's the reason behind it? I mean, I'll ask you first, Richard. Why why are people coming to you and saying, I want to get into property investment? What's the reason behind that? I think, obviously, because obviously the market's so good at the moment, um, they're, they're being smart and being brought to their attention that they have equity in the properties that they've already got. And that's facilitating, like we've just discussed, for them to expand. Yeah. Um, and they, they again are looking at it long term and can see the benefits of the long term cash flow. Um, well, what is the benefits to them though? I mean, you know, why are people wanting to do this? I mean, money for money's sake is not is no good to you at all. Um, I don't know, but I think I think in the long term, people are looking at obviously later years, retirement, um, their kids, and things like that as well. Um, obviously, the current climate that we're in is quite uncertain for the financial side of things, and. Um, we've spoke before about how uh, the money and property and the the benefits of that in the long term so i think people are becoming wise to that yeah attention that uh, this is a good one um so uh, james actually said previously we've spoken with delayed gratification, delayed gratification we'll cover yeah. that in a wee minute um and he said uh, what's your target for next year well the next four years are my target <laughs> <laughs> so the next four years my target's 50 
Um, that's where I'm looking at for, for buying. Um, so just to give you an insight into that. And if I can do it in one or two years, it, for me personally, my target is 50, but it, it, it depends how quick I can get these properties to get together. I mean, if somebody comes along and says you want to buy a portfolio of 50 properties, I'm in there straight away. My target's been reached. And then I'll yeah. go for another 50. Um, so so the reality is that there is no limit to what I can buy. Um, the only limit is the availability in the marketplace to what I can get my hands on basically that's what it comes down to so uh, that's the, that's the most important thing Kesa, why are most people coming to you to, to for buy to let funding and buy to let finance because you, you are the expert in this this is your field you are the person the go-to person for buy to let finance so why are they coming to you uh thank you jim um I think a lot, a lot of people like using uh, our business because we invest in property ourselves as well. So I wholeheartedly believe in buy to let, you know, it, it gave me financial freedom. And that's why I call the business uh, Freedom Financial. Um, so very passionate about this. And yeah, you know, 95% of what we do is buy to let mortgages. Um, so we kind of know the ins and outs, you know, because the mortgage market is huge. You know, we've got residential mortgages, equity lease, lots of different things, you know, and we can't be specialists in everything. So we've decided to kind of niche in buy to let and just really kind of hone down in on that and just be the specialist in that area. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge market. When I first started out, the, the buy to let market uh, in terms of UK housing stock was 9%. That shows you how long ago that was. Um, now it's sitting at 19, if not uh, just beyond 20% in terms of the size. So the buy to let market has grown by about um, more than more than doubled um, in, the, in the time that I've been there. And it will continue to grow as a natural result. Now, why is this? Well, are we becoming more European? If you go to Germany, I mean, most of the rental properties in Germany, there's about 60% of the housing stock is rental. If you go to the um, Nordic regions, you know, there's about 80% of their rent, uh, housing stock is rental. Um, so uh, are we just becoming more European? That's the that's the point here. Or is it the fact that we've always been taught that we should be a nation of homeowners and that's why the buy to let market in this country is so small? Yeah, we spoke about that before. And I think on the continent, uh, renting property is a lot more common in, it, uh, in comparison to obviously in Britain. But uh, it is like, um, I think it is kind of ingrained in people in this country to own your own home rather than rent. And uh, yeah. I think that does have an effect on the size of the buy to let market. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's talk about increasing your yield. So keep reviewing your mortgage. The fast track to increasing your yield of any buy to let is to reduce your monthly outgoings. That's the reality. Because then you get more money in, therefore your yield's going to be higher. If you're already on a variable rate, you almost certainly make the instant savings by remortgaging at a fixed rate. Um, that, that's key here, Kessler. Do you think it's a good time to actually mortgage, remortgage to fixed rates now? Absolutely. Um, like Richard was saying earlier on, you know, it definitely well, investors can do with getting a review of their portfolio because often people will buy a property and then not realize that it's now kind of moved on to variable rate. The variable rate could be, you know, double what they could get on a fixed rate mortgage just now. So potentially they could reduce that by half um, and even extract, you know, more equity out and, you know, take that out and still have a lower payment than they're paying currently. So it's definitely worth reviewing. So you, you talk about taking equity out, and I'll, and I'll give a word of warning to everybody, and I know this because one of my friends previously, and before the credit crunch, um, had 300 properties. Now, his strategy was to take 1% of the value out every single year to live on. Um, you should never take out money from your equity, in my opinion. You should never take out any money in your opinion, in my opinion, unless it's been reinvested in assets that will produce income again. Um, don't take it out to live on. It's the cash flow, it'll provide that. 
if anything. But that's another strategy as well. That's like, you know, you only live on a fraction of what you actually generate. And if not, you live on none of it and it all gets reinvested every single time. And you go and work your own job while you've got a letting agent looking after your portfolio. That's the reality because you can probably make more money in your own job. But that's another that's another total difference. So I could be here forever. <laughs> in fact, I'm I'm writing a book on it. <laughs> um, so my book will be out by the end of the year about this. Um, so increasing your yield. Most of the landlords fix their rates between two and five years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's the most popular options. Uh, it does give them the certainty, doesn't it, though? It gives them that certainty of the outgoings will be the same every single time. Therefore, they're able to plan for the future. And we know ourselves that uh, you no know, rents will go up. Um, what's going to happen when the Scottish government bring in the rent controls? Is anybody worried about this? Not really. I mean, not, uh, not really because I think rents are really good. I think it depends. Depends what, obviously, what it's going to be like. But um, I'm not really worried about it at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, my thoughts on it. Kessa, you got any thoughts on that? Rent controls? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very interesting, a very topical subject. Uh, personally, I think if we do get rent controls, um, we'll see rent prices increase. Um, you know, often as landlords, you know, we don't always kind of increase our rents. Um, but if these rent controls come in, we're, where we have the opportunity to increase rents, you know, in line with whatever they kind of say that that will be each year, we will start to increase those. And if I was at below market uh, rates as well, you know, then we'll kind of bring them up to the market rate. So. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting subject, but I would see, or potentially would see that interest rate, uh, sorry, rents will increase over that time. Yeah, I, I see rent controls as an opportunity to take advantage of it. You that's know, that's reality, there's, there's huge scope in rent controls to do that, yeah. and take advantage of that market. Um, let's talk about the increased yields again and fixed rates. For existing fixed rates coming to an end in, in the next six months or so, it's well worth reviewing your mortgage. Is that is that probably the best thing to do, Kessler? Review it now? Absolutely. Um, there's no harm in doing a review, um, to be honest, because if you're on a decent rate, then that's fine. You know, you know, you know you're on a good rate and then you don't need to do anything. Um, but, you know, it, it, interest rates are so competitive just now on buy-to-let mortgages. It's definitely worth looking at. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's as well, it's even worth reviewing the current mortgage you have just now as well, because even though if you're on a fixed rate, I've seen sometimes where I've been on a fixed rate and it's actually made more sense to actually get rid of the fixed rate and actually put it on a different fixed rate because the differential or the opportunity of, co or the opportunity of cost or, or, or loss was actually a lot less than what I could, I could gain more on the other one. So in other words, I paid a repayment, an early repayment charge of £2,000, but the new fixed rate was guaranteeing me almost a £5,000 saving over the next five years. And I, I kind of, that makes absolute sense to me. Um, so it gave me certainty as well. So I've often done that in the past. But again, that's people's individual circumstances and they need to come to someone like you to assess that, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like I said, it's balancing up if it's worth paying that redemption charge or not. Yeah, yeah. Let's, check a, let's talk about improving your properties. If buy to let is shown your age, it won't achieve its maximum rent uh, or its full-time income potential. That's the key here. So there's a balance between improvement and actually uh, improvement and not improving in order to get the maximum rental return. Richard, this is your field. Um, at what point do you stop improving far too much? At the uh, It's no worth it anymore. The incremental gain isn't worth it. No, I think, um, and, I, and I do see it quite a lot, and I have to kind of rein people in and be like, look, you're, you're taking this to the level where it kind of crosses into like when they're doing improvements to properties and things and bringing it oh, to a level put gold caps on <laughs> yeah all the, like the fixtures and fittings which are are, are way over uh, and above standard which um 
which aren't necessary in a rental property. I mean, obviously things need to be comfortable and at a certain level where people can make it their home and have a good maybe um, functionings in the property, but you don't need to overspend. And I think once you start doing that, it's all about being smart and I think uh, looking at um, your costs and things. And again, it's, it comes to numbers. It's, it's yeah. like um, being a smart investor or landlord, um, whether that be obviously reviewing your portfolio and looking at your mortgages and looking at what equity you have and then also looking at your expenditure and what you put into a property as well. You really need to be smart when you do that or the numbers will not add up and then that affects your cash flow. It is numbers at the end of the day. That's really what it comes down to. And it's understanding the, the dynamics. But but again, it's worth speaking to an estate agent. I mean, yeah. do we know any good estate agents about here? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm quite, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a very uh, privileged position because I'm in the stage the market, I'm in the letting market, and I'm also a buy to let investor and a buy to let landlord. So yep. I have the beauty of understanding the whole dynamics in order to understand the whole way it should be done. Um, and I often forget that, and I, it just comes straight off my head, and th folk just look at me as if I've got, you know, it just goes straight over them. Uh, but it's, it's easy and understandable if you understand that market, and you'll understand that, Kessa, and you'll understand that, Richard, as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, kitchens, uh, you know, we're not looking for the highest-spec German kitchen, are we? We're looking at, what, Houghton's? Yeah, Houghton's have got like Houghton's are quite good actually. They've got like a basic range, a mid range, and then they've got obviously their, their kind of superior range, which people would probably put in their own homes. But mid range yeah. kitchens are relatively. Um, they're so Houghton's, Houghton's B and Q. &Q's um, where else? Home base. Home base still exist. Yeah, they still exist. They do, do. Ah, they do do kitchens. Magnet. Yeah. Kesser, who do you use? Yes, I tend to use Magnet. You know, if anybody's out there interested in getting, you know, some uh, better rates with Magnet, there's a company called LMPG, LMPG which a lot of landlords, yeah. a lot of landlords use, um, and then you get preferential rates with Magnet. Yeah, although they're quite good for a lot more. I've just found that out recently. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's probably where they make their weight make up for the difference. So you you have to understand. Um, you have to just do your shopping as well and make sure you've got the right things. But these the LMPG buying groups actually are a really good option. Uh, yeah. I had somebody recently refurb Gary, Gary Wallace refurb one of my properties, and he did it through that um, uh, situation, and and it was an absolutely it was it was perfect. It was yeah, I um, he managed to refurb the whole thing for ten thousand all in, um, new kitchen, new shower room, new carpets, new decoration, new wiring, new smoke detectors, uh, new um, that's when I found it with white goods, and also the boiler as well got new as uh, newly put in as well. So that then increased the value. I, I, this was a property valued at sixty thousand. I got it for forty-five. I spent ten thousand pound on doing it up, and um, therefore it was fifty-five all in. But potentially the valuation is probably sitting about eighty thousand now. So uh, if I want to, I could do it just do a loan to value, bring all the seventy-five percent of the mortgage back out, um, and basically get all my money back out. If not, a wee bit more cash than than I put in the first place. Mm. That's a good strategy, Kessa, isn't it? <laughs> That sounds like a win-win to me. That one as well. Infinite returns, as long as the numbers work, isn't it? That's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Um, let's let's quickly look at some of these numbers, and um, because I am um, a spreadsheet guru, I love this. Um, so, can everybody see this? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've got seventy thousand. Um, we've got four percent stamp duty ADS. Um, twenty five percent in. So we've got seventeen seventeen and a half thousand. Kessa, you keep me right on this. What is the mortgage rate for uh individual just now, roughly? What's the best deal yeah. out there? Um, well, below two percent to be honest. Um, but if yeah. you base your numbers on two and a half percent, you wouldn't be far wrong. You know, you so two and a half percent. We're, we're usually looking at about a thousand pound arrangement fee, aren't we? Yeah, approximately. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Richard, uh, property you're buying at seventy thousand. Would you think about four fifty rent? Yeah, too bad about four fifty comfortably. Yeah. Okay, so we're assuming twelve months occupancy. We're also um, and then we're assuming the mortgage rate. So basically, cash flow after the rentals brought in every month at twelve months occupancy. That's hundred percent occupancy rate is uh, three hundred and thirty. 38 per month after the mortgage is paid. That's the most important thing after the mortgage is paid. Now, if you bought this for cash, you'd have a 7.7% gross yield. That's if you bought for cash. In other words, if you put 70,000 down, the 7.7. But if you use the bank's money and leverage that, your, your yield now goes to 23%. This is talking about leverage. So your differential in there is 16% on the bank's money in terms of where you were before and where you are now. Um, your overhead stay the same regardless of if you buy uh, with cash or if you buy without cash because your overheads after the mortgage is always the same anyway. It's always going to be things like, what is the overheads in a buy-to-let uh, pro uh, um, property, Richard? Uh, letting agent fees? Yeah, um, yeah, you'll have your management fee and things. Insurance. And, and your landlord's insurance. And also um, think about, obviously, potential repairs and things as well. You Just potential have. repairs. So, yeah. um, you know, your, your letting agent would be about 15% all in in terms of the cost. So yeah. you, that's why I put 30% because 15% to cover everything else. And then your net return on, on your deposit, which is your, your 22, that is your stamp duty plus your deposit plus this would be your legals at a thousand pounds and any minor improvements before you get the property is 22,000 in. So you've got an 11% net return on that money. So basically you've got 22,000 in, you've got 11% net return. If you increase by 2% every year in appreciation, we know that's probably more achievable um, than ever. Um, over the next 10 years, you'll make 172% return on investment. That's a good deal, isn't it? Yeah. So um, what's the best rate for a limited company just now, Kessa? Yeah, I think if you base your numbers on 3.5%, there's, there's some rates kind of even below 3%, but yeah, yeah 3.5. So that, that then changes the, the dynamics to uh, an 8.6% return. But that's still better than what we're getting in the bank. Zero. Nothing. Yeah. You're actually negative interest rates in the bank because you've got inflation eroding at your savings and you're not really getting anything but 0.001%. Um, so every single year. Now, this doesn't take into account capital appreciation because it's there. Now, remember when I said that capital appreciation will go up 20% possible in the next four years? You, the value of your property is actually 70,000. So it's 20% of 70,000, not 20% of what you've got in. And that is the power of leverage that goes on top of that. That's a quick one. Anyway, I thought I'd just cover some of the numbers just so people understand the dynamics of that. Richard, what are you going to say? Yeah, I think what's good about the spreadsheet is it clearly demonstrates that I think a lot of people maybe have got cash in the bank and think, right, I'm going to do buy to let. They instantly think, right, let's just buy cash outlet, outright. But I think yeah. it's important to look at it's probably better to fund it through mortgage, obviously. Now, would you, Kessar, this is this is an interesting one that Richard posed on the other now. Would you buy with mortgage first or would you buy with cash first and then remortgage? Yeah, it's a good question. And it, everybody's different. It depends on your circumstances and maybe the type of property that you buy in as well. Sometimes investors will use cash when they're looking to add value to that property. Yeah. So um, they can kind of benefit from getting cheaper funding because it's their own funding, you know, to buy it cash mm -hmm. and then add the value to the property and then extract that onto a buy-to-let mortgage um, and then you know, raise the finance that way. Or often if the property is not mortgageable to start off with, you know, if it's in a really rundown state, they might use cash for that. Um, but if it's a property that's going to rent out from day one, typically most investors will use a buy-to-let mortgage outright. Yeah, it's the opportunity to add value first. So the, yeah. the first instinct is, where can you add value straight away to increase the price? Uh, that's that's the key about speaking to an estate agent first as well before you go ahead and buy it. 
or or after even you've bought it, and then you could you could decide whether you take the mortgage out now or now or later on. Um, but it's important to do that. The classic example is the one I just talked about. The now is I bought it for forty five, uh, and then I've actually spent ten thousand on it. But then by the time the value is significantly more now, uh, I'll then remortgage that back out. I'll get the loan the money back out, and it'll be an infinite return. Uh, effectively, an infinite return. Where else can you get an asset class where you've got no money in and you're actually getting paid for it? Is there anything else that exists like that? No. I, 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 don't know. I can't think of anything that exists that you've got no money in it anymore and you're still making money out of it. That is remarkable. And and I, I have always seen this over the last 30 years, but, but I always used to think, how does nobody else see this? Um, but it's evidently a lot more people are beginning to see it, like yourselves, Kessa. Uh, and Richard, you can see that for other people as well, can't you? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about um, and the improvement of your properties. And uh, what about tax efficiency next? Um, tax efficiency, when we talk about buy to let finance, it's not almost, it's not always about borrowing from the banks and, and how, um, uh, how you pay tax on your rental portfolio will impact your business as much as the interest rate, really. So this comes down to limited company and sole trader, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, sorry, Richard, on you go. No, on you go, Kessler. Yeah, I think obviously you need to get good tax advice uh, from, you know, potentially like a tax advisor or accountant who specializes in property. Um, but yeah, a lot of investors are now opting to go limited company for that reason, you know, for the potential tax benefits. You've also got the benefit as well as you can pass a limited company shares on without actually, without actually um, ending. Um, whereas if the if the if the properties are in your name, you, and you that's you you pop your clogs, that's it. The mortgage has ended. Whereas if you've got it in a limited company and you've got succession planning, then the limited company is a legal entity in its own right, and the mortgage will pass with a limited company. Is that is that sort of the rule of thumb, Kessa? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of investors are now thinking about succession planning, you know, even when they're at a young age, you know, how are they going to bring other family members into this limited company in the future, gifting them shares, giving them kind of uh, different classes of shares as well, you know, so yeah. they can potentially take an income from the limited company, um, dividends, there's, there's kind of so many different things out there yeah. now. Uh, whilst in personal name, if it's in your personal name and you might want to kind of give it to, you know, somebody else, then yeah. it's got to be a sale and a purchase and then there's kind of tax implications and um, we've got you know, uh, LBTT or ADS and stuff like that to consider as well. So, in your opinion, who's the best tax accountant just now? This is putting you on the spot, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, there's loads out there, to be honest. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure on that question. Probably I'll put that one back to you, Jim, if, if you know somebody in the local area. The, that's difficulty, really good. the difficulty for me is, is, is it's me. Because <laughs> I'm an accountant <laughs> by trade. You know, so the reality ah, is, I yeah. understand the dynamics. I understand it, and and if I want an answer to something, I know who to ask to get that. Um, so that's where I've I've never really, you know, the, the one I use now and the one I've always used is Parson Boyd. You know, Parson Boyd's been a good one. Um, they've not been, you know, they've not really been in a position, but I've never really asked them to be in a position to actually advise me on property because they know fine that I know the answers before they give me the answers, and I probably know a lot more than they know because it's something I've specialised in for the last thirty years. So. When people ask that question, do you know a good tax accountant? It's like, you know, it's like, well, I never, obviously, I didn't want to volunteer myself. <laughs> it's like, I got in this business to be free. <laughs> I, I never got in this business to have a job for somebody else. Um, that's effectively it. But, but Richard, have you come across this question as well? 
Yeah, I mean, tax could be quite a difficult thing for people to navigate through and, and understand. And I think it's important that then if you don't, I mean, not everyone has all the answers. So it's important to know the right people to go to to find the answer. And I think if you're an investor with a portfolio and it's in a limited company, it's important to, to treat it like a business and, and look at the, the tax aspect for that. And then, like I say, speak to the right people, whether that be yourself or somebody else, Jim. It's what do you do as well? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm transitioning because we, and originally in the early days, we bought a lot of properties in our own names, mm -hmm. um, my wife and I. So we're transitioning a lot of properties into our limited companies, plus buying all the new ones in the limited yeah. company um, for that purpose. Um, because the rules have actually changed since then. So my advice is always do a limited company, unless there's a compelling reason why you would need to do a uh, sole trader, because it was a better tax advantage for you. Um, it's a complicated area, definitely, and it needs a specialist tax advisor to do that. But it is difficult to actually find somebody out there with that fundamental knowledge. And and to be honest, I am actually still looking for that type of person. Um, so it is another person I need to add to my um, power team, if that makes sense. Um, there's also the other ones is, yeah, I mean, tax efficiency wise, there's a lot of expenses you can claim now. I remember, I remember in the early days, you weren't allowed to claim um, uh, straight away uh, um, double glazing because yeah. double glazing wasn't, was deemed to be a capital improvement. Um, and, and it meant it had to go on the end value of property. So you weren't allowed to deduct it against your income just now. Uh, and it was only when I first started a couple of years in that the tax man actually changed that and, uh, and subsequently had to pay me tax back. <laughs> that's the only time the tax man visited me and he actually had to pay me money back after the end of the visit and he's never crossed my door ever again and he's never <laughs> come to me ever because he's like <laughs> he did remark at the time he says I'm, it's remarkable how your records are so well detailed for a landlord I've never seen that before I never told him I was an accountant <laughs> but he was actually quite surprised he's never appeared back again and nobody ever has um so owning a property in a company or an individual can affect your liabilities, and particularly around capital gains and inheritance tax. Capital gains as well is a big one just now. Yeah. Capital gains, the Office of Tax Simplification has actually put out a white paper back in November last year. And I have a, a blog on this um, to talk about this um, in detail. Um, but they're actually um, uh, recommending to streamline to the government to simplify the tax, the capital gains rules, which means that potentially if you've got property in your own hands, instead of having the 18% and 28% capital gains uh, tax, they're going to do away with that and put it back to taper, to, to taper relief. In other words, indexation. So everything that you bought right now, you're going to get face a higher tax bill. Plus, they're actually thinking about reducing, or the recommendation is to reduce the actual capital gains allowance for a personal individual. So again, it's not going to, it's not going to make it worth any sense in the future to actually possibly buy in your own name. I also say that if you've got property in your own name just now, think about selling it to the limited company if it's got a higher value to alleviate your capital gains position. Because my wife and I have both allowances, therefore if I have it in my own name or she will have it in joint names, we can both sell and take advantage of a £25,000 capital gains allowance um, in the increase and actually pay no tax on that and sell it to a limited company and actually get a remortgaged at that higher value, plus the fact we've still got the asset and we earn money in it. Job's done, eh? Win-win situation. Again, another great strategy. Uh, final words, Kester, on this. 
Yeah, I think it's all great points that you put in there, Jim. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of landlords out there thinking about their portfolios now and what they want to do. And we've seen a lot of people, you know, since COVID's hit, uh, reevaluating their lives and, you know, what they're doing with that cash that's sitting in the bank. And we've now seen the way inflation rates are. Um, so a lot of people are going to be looking at property investment and seeing if that's kind of going to be the strategy going forward. So speaking to people like yourself and Richard, you know, going forward and seeing what opportunities are out there, it's very exciting times to be a property investor. And, and like you said, we're not seeing this market shrinking at any point soon you know we're going to see this expand over time um so i think it's very exciting times for property investors going forward what about yourself richard quickly yeah i think that uh, yeah be smart if you're an investor obviously regularly um assess and have a look at your portfolio and, and see what the kind of status is of obviously your, your mortgages and things and what kind of rates you're on speak to the right people and i think if you're on the fence and and, and you are a buy to let investor and on the fence about buying just now is at the right time the time is now yeah. My final thoughts is, could you imagine on a Monday morning the alarm goes off? It doesn't need to go off because you don't have to get up for work. That's the reality. That yeah. Sunday night feeling of sinking, you've got work the next day, has completely disappeared because you've chosen to build a buy-to-let buy portfolio, which has given you residual income, which gives you the choices you want to do when you want to do it. Picture a time when you think about it, you could actually be watching the Masters in the U.S., and you just turn to your partner and say, let's get on a plane and go there. And the next day you're sitting, you're standing there watching the masters and your shorts and teacher. And you're thinking this is amazing because buy to let can do that for you. This is an asset class that can produce a lifestyle that you will have forever and you can pass to the next generation. That's what property investment does for you. So if you need to message us, you can message us direct, you can contact us in the usual numbers, you can speak to Kester individually, Richard individually, or myself individually, but now is the time to invest in property. It always is now the answer. Property prices are completely irrelevant if you get the numbers and dynamics right in this process. And that's us. Thank you very much for watching the Five Property Show, and we'll see you all next week for next week's episode. Bye-bye for now. Bye, guys. Thank you, guys.